It is Tuesday, and it's another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Jack Johnston. Should the Royals trade, keep, or cut Edward Olivares? What's our thoughts on Colin Snyder? And I'm going to tell you about the pressure of expectation and how the Royals can build on it. That's all coming up next on Locked On Royals. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team... Every day. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Locked On Royals and the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at Johnny J underscore 15. That's at J O H N Y J underscore. One five, and you can catch all of these episodes on wherever you get your podcast. That can be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube. Just be sure to hit that follow button and subscribe. And with those podcasting episodes, be sure to leave a review. Uh, you know, rate how well you like this podcast. Share it with other people. Let's see if they want they like it or they don't like it. I mean, we're all for trying to better ourselves here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And the only way I can do that is if we get some feedback. So not just YouTube. I mean, we're doing a great job on YouTube. We're over 500 subscribers at this point, shooting for now 100 subscribers a month. Uh, Let's try to do the same thing for following on these podcasting websites and leave a review. I think on Spotify, a lot of people have done a great job on leaving remarks. And I try to build on that. It makes the podcast better. And we really want to build this thing up heading into 2024 and what should be a very exciting offseason for the Kansas City Royals. If this is your first ever episode tuning in, of course, welcome in. And my name is Jack Johnson, as I already told you, and I'm a lifelong Royals fan, as I'm sure you are with tuning in to this podcast episode. I now work in Kansas City at Sports Radio 810 WHB. I've got a morning show daily on ESPN Kansas City. And then once a week, I do have a night show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. I actually just came from hosting that night show 7 to 10 p.m., usually on Tuesdays and on Wednesdays. But if you follow 810 or you follow me on Twitter, pretty easy to find which day I will be broadcasting on. Now, the Royals tonight lost 6-3 to three at the hands of the Detroit Tigers. It snapped their seven-game winning streak. Uh, they had won 10 of 11, so they were really cruising in the month of September. And then we all got another taste of the Taylor Clark experience, which... To me, at least, getting pretty old. And I'm he is one of the reasons. I know this sounds harsh, but I think at times I get caught up in, well, it's so fun to watch the team when they're rolling. And it's fun to watch Bobby Wood Jr., Michael Garcia, Melendez, Massey, Waters, Isbell, and, and Logan Porter at this point, Nick Prado, all come together and play well. But sometimes the, the guys that have stuck around too long – they make me excited for the offseason because you know some roster turnover is going to happen. But this podcast episode is not to hammer Taylor Clark. Uh, I don't think I should get worked up about a guy who I knew exactly what was going to happen when he came into the game. I think we all did. I mean, before the the Bally Sports scoreboard could pop up, Akil Badu hit one 570 feet to right center field. And then Parker Meadows did the same exact thing right after that. I mean, I know there was some uh, possibility that Taylor Clark could stick around next year by the way he was pitching early on, but that's out the window at this point. But I think it's a good segue because we are going to talk about Edward Olivares. And I brought up this point over the weekend because as surprising as it sounds, 
Olivares is an above average hitter in the big leagues. Now, I, I know it sounds crazy. It doesn't make much sense. But Edward Olivares has a WRC plus north of the league average. Now, he is an absolute liability defensively. You cannot put Edward Olivares out there in the outfield. That just, you can't, have, when you have MJ Melendez out there, you can't put Olivares out there because you can't have two guys at the corner outfield spots that are well below the league average in defensive metrics, both with the eye test and the advanced numbers. Now, for as bad as he is defensively, he doesn't hit well enough, I think, to be an everyday player. But that's not going to be my question. I, I think that ship is sailed for Edward Olivares. He is not going to be an everyday player. But I will say that there are worse fourth outfielders you could have on your bench. Now, some teams, they carry their fourth outfielder as a defensive mastermind. You know, I think Kyle Isbell is a perfect fourth outfielder for a contending team. Doesn't hit that well. Um, he's fast, and he's an excellent defender. That's a stereotypical fourth outfielder. But what if the Royals flip the script a little bit? They need offense. They need guys that can hit next year. And Olivares, not just since coming back from AAA, but really all season long, has been somebody you can count on for a hit or two. It sounds crazy. And I'm somebody that has been very critical of Edward Olivares before because of how bad he is defensively. I mean, he's unplayable out there. But I don't think at this point I would really bat an eye or scoff at the idea of the Royals keeping him and putting him on the bench for 2024. I mean, if he plays once a week or twice a week, is his defense really hurting you over the course of the season? Maybe it's an area where he can improve. I'm sure that he wants to work on that. I know the Royals broadcast has talked about you know, how badly he wants to prove defensively because that is what's preventing him from being an everyday player. If Edward Olivares had Kyle Isbell's defense, we'd be talking about a future fit in center field. I mean, a guy that hits well enough and is good enough defensively. You combine Kyle Isbell's skills and Edward Olivares' skills, you got a great center fielder. Now, I know it's impossible, and you can't really do that. You can't just create a player. But this last stretch for Edward Olivares has opened my eyes a little bit. Because the Royals have had a lot of years where their fourth outfielder is far worse than that. I mean, this year it was Jackie Bradley Jr. Jackie Bradley Jr. was one of the worst offensive players in baseball in a Royals uniform. Now, he was fine defensively, but it's really what you want. What do you want in that fourth outfielder? I don't think Ole is a starter. I mean, you're going to have Melendez in left field. The Royals are either going to have Isbell or Waters in center. Now, right field's open, but the Royals already gave Olivares that chance. He's just not an everyday player. So what's the move? Do you trade him? You probably could get some value. I mean, a team right now that makes a lot of sense is somebody like the Giants. The San Francisco Giants need some hitters, and they have pitching. The Royals could go to them in the offseason and say, hey, we've got a guy that we just no longer feel like is a fit here. He's above average. He can hit the ball hard. He's got a little bit of pop. Defensively, he's a problem. And maybe the Giants could stash him away as a DH. I mean, it'd be tough to play Oracle Park in the weird you know, caroms off the wall. It's a tough part to learn, and that wouldn't be very easy for Edward Olivares, but at least the smaller right field to work with. Not working with a right field at Kauffman Stadium. So it could be 
an entertaining trade opportunity. I put cut in there, uh, not so much as a best option, but it also wouldn't shock me if the Royals did that. You know, the Royals can look at their 40-man roster and say, you know, you just can't play for us if you're that bad defensively. You know, you're getting up there. You're getting closer to 30. You're not really a, not really a younger player anymore. May need to move on from you. The Royals just have a roster crunch. You know, I don't think I would lose much sleep if the Royals DFA'd him in the offseason, made room on the 40-man roster. Maybe there wasn't a market for it. And maybe the Royals really didn't want him in the 2024 lineup. All I'm saying is that if the Royals wanted to really build a somewhat competitive team in 2024, and this could be signing a lot of pitching, revamping that bullpen, I don't think I would complain that much about Olivares getting to play once a week or being a, a pinch hitter late in the game. His approach isn't the best. He swings and misses at a lot of things, but he's very hitterish, as some would call him. To quote former Royals beat reporter and Alec Lewis, very hitterish. I think I can see that in Olivares. I mean, he's somebody that wants to hit the ball, hit the ball hard, put it in play. I'll take that from a pinch hitter. I mean, think about it. If you have a spot next year, it doesn't have to be the whole year, too. It could be April or May. Royals have bases loaded, one out. I mean, why not turn to an Olivares off the bench? Just saying it's something to consider. I think about a month ago, I was just move on from him. But the advanced numbers would tell you, and the WRC Plus would tell you, he's a little bit above league average. As a fourth outfielder, wouldn't you take that? Now, I got a lot of comments on that Twitter post. You can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. A lot of people did not agree with that. You're done with Oli. Some people said, hey, let's trade him. I think I might be the only one saying maybe you should hang on to him as a fourth outfielder. I'm all right being the minority, though. You disagree? You have a different opinion? Let me know on Twitter. Just told you the username. Or let me know on YouTube. I try my best to get all of the comments. I apologize. I've been a little bit lazy on that. Been really busy and caught up at work, but I'll try my best to respond to every single comment or react to any comment that you guys give me on that YouTube page. Okay, the next thing we're going to talk about is another potential fit for 2024, but let's go over the bullpen and not so much with the lineup. And let's talk about Colin Snyder, who did have a score setting tonight in Detroit, and he's kind of worked his way back into the conversation. We'll talk Snyder next on Locked On Royals. You are tuning to Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five. Before we go any further, let's give a shout out to one of today's other title sponsors in LinkedIn Sales. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On. That is LinkedIn.com slash locked on for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to LinkedIn.com slash locked on and get started with LinkedIn Sales. This Royals bullpen has had a pretty good September. I think we've all known that. We've seen that. If you've kept up with the Royals this long, you feel pretty good about the Royals bullpen when they take over for a starter. Now, tonight, a different story. Anthony Veneziano made his Major League debut. Uh, the stuff looks pretty good. You know, he's sitting 95, 96, pretty good slider, good change. But command was an issue, and Michael Massey had a very costly error that then extended the inning, and Spencer Torkelson had the two-run double to take that win away from Zach Greinke. 
who now has not had a road win in a Royals uniform since 2010. And he likely will end that way, not getting a road win with the Royals since coming back for his second time in Kansas City. And then Taylor Clark took the bump, and that was it after that. There, there wasn't much to, to celebrate with this bullpen. But Colin Snyder was sandwiched in between. After Veneziano gave it the two-run double, finished out that inning, here came Colin Snyder. And Snyder's been used in some big roles this year, more specifically in the second half. And I've always been so curious about Colin Snyder. If you can remember last year, Colin Snyder was the team's best bullpen arm in April. I mean, he really came out of nowhere. We had heard about him in spring training. I had seen him a few times in spring training. I thought, man, I mean, this is a guy that has a power sinker. I mean, 95, 96, 97, something you should really consider. And a wipeout slider. A later round pick out of Vanderbilt, a a college program that always pumps out pitching. So I'm not going to complain about giving somebody from Vanderbilt a shot in this rotation or in this bullpen. And he kind of was used in that fireman role in 2022. You know, he wasn't somebody that came on and and mop up situations. It wasn't somebody that was an opener. He was used as the fireman. And then somewhere along the way, His stuff stopped being as sharp. He was getting hit around a lot. Then the command left him. And then you were led to the guy that you couldn't throw out there in any leverage spot. Low leverage, high leverage, medium leverage, didn't matter. Couldn't throw Colin Snyder out there in that spot. This year, didn't hear too much about him. He was struggling a lot in AAA Omaha. Had a chance to come back up to Kansas City. Stuff didn't look good. A sinker velo was down. And then he had that one outing in game one of the doubleheader, very beginning of the second half against Tampa, when he threw 13 consecutive balls. He walked the bases loaded without throwing a strike. And I'm going, I don't care what level you're at. That is inexcusable. That is an embarrassment on the franchise, on yourself, to the uniform. It sounds harsh, but you're in the big leagues. You can't go full Rick Vaughn. Ball four, ball eight, ball 12, and expect to get another shot in the big leagues. It ain't Hollywood. And it's not Charlie Sheen out there. Now, you're a guy with little big league experience. You can't have outings like that. But credit to him, he bounced back, and now is kind of trusting him in those high leverage roles again. And it made me think about this bullpen for 2024 and what I've always felt like I've stayed consistent with. You have to build a bullpen with guys that you have, and then from guys you find elsewhere. You can't just go and reload a bullpen from all different spots of other teams. You can't spend all this money. You have to develop some guys within your own system to become reliable bullpen guys. I'm sorry I jumped the gun on Jackson Kowar. He's clearly not going to be a fit for 2024. I know I'm a night and day difference from the last time I did a podcast episode about him, but I said I feel like back then, He had to finish the season really strong. I mean, he really had to have a strong end of this year to be in that consideration. He has not finished it very strong in these last two outings. James MacArthur has now gone from a bum, a guy that you don't even care if he's on the 40-man or not next year, to he's got to be in our bullpen next year. Hell, he may need to be the closer next year if you don't spend any money on a closer. But Colin Snyder, to me, is intriguing. 
because his repertoire is what you want in a bullpen arm. I mean, velocity is a big thing. If you have a firm fastball, it plays at any big league bullpen. Carlos Hernandez's fastball can play in any big league bullpen. Josh Stallmont, before his injuries, had a fastball that could play at any level. Dylan Coleman, same thing. Even if the command was spotty, you had a fastball that could play. What is unique with a bullpen is when you have a sinker baller that throws incredibly hard. Because if you can locate a 96, 97 mile an hour sinker, that can virtually be unhittable. I mean, that is a really tough pitch. And big leaguers will tell you this. A sinker that is thrown that hard is like trying to hit a bowling ball. They used to say it a lot with Brad Keller when he had that sinker going. And lo and behold, when that sinker velocity was up. Now, if it's 90 to 91, you can locate. It's still a tough ball to hit. If it's 95, 96, a boring in at the bottom right foot or down the way from left-handed hitters, that's hard to hit because it just disappears below the zone. And Colin Snyder's got that sinker-slider combo. When you have that combination, it's worth taking a chance on in the bullpen. And I think we're finally starting to see Colin Snyder find himself again. Now, I'm not going to say he was perfect tonight. Command was not there. He got lucky a few times, and he was upset with himself. You can't have those three-ball counts, those three-one counts, and when guys aren't biting on the sinker, you're going to walk a lot of guys because that pitch is designed to go below the zone. If you spit on it or they can pick up the spin, it's not going to be as effective. But it's made me think. If Colin Snyder, let's say, goes to oh, an off-season workout, let's say he goes through an off-season workout, it can be driveline, working with Soto, the data there, and that sinker can get fine-tuned. It sets up the slider more perfectly. Now you've got a bullpen arm you want to keep around. And I think you can believe in Colin Snyder a little bit because of what we saw with James MacArthur. You know, I was somebody that punted on James MacArthur until we saw the stuff really start to play. Who's to say Colin Snyder can't have that happen? He's got the perfect set of pitches to be successful in a bullpen. When you have that much run on your sinker and your slider can move like that, it's all about command at that point. And once you find that command, you're tough to hit. It's a big time factor in this league. So my thoughts on him, he doesn't have a lock spot. He's pitched very well at the back end of the season, but also it takes one outing to have all this blow up in your face again. Because he hasn't been as dominant as James MacArthur. Command has been an issue. Dealing with base run has been an issue. He's given up a few home runs. But I think he's pitched okay enough to at least have his name tossed in the hat. And when you show up in surprise in February when pitchers and catchers report and the sweet sound of the ball hitting the glove is back, I want to see what Colin Snyder looks like. If he's not great in spring, all right, you have your answer. But if the stuff is showing, not all about the stats in spring because we know those can look bad or look really good and it doesn't mean much for the regular season, but if the spin rate's there, the location's back, he's somebody that could have a spot in the 2024 bullpen. That's at least where I'm at right now. Can always change, just like you did with Jackson Coar. But let me know your thoughts either on Twitter. You can tweet at me at J underscore 15 or just reach out on our YouTube page. Be sure to subscribe, though, before commenting on this podcast episode. The last thing I want to go over in today's episode is the pressure of expectation. We're seeing it with Baltimore. 
We're seeing it with Seattle. We're seeing it with Miami. We're seeing it with Tampa. All these teams that are going to make the postseason. But I'm going to tell you why it's a lot easier said than done than to just deal with expectation. That's coming up on Locked On Royals. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. Before we go any further, let's give a shout out to one of today's other title sponsors in Jace Medical. Modern medical care and treatment are important, but our global supply chains are fragile. Things like pandemics, natural disasters, and foreign travel may cut you off from the treatment you need. Jace Medical is your solution. Just fill out their online form and one of Jace Medical's board-certified physicians will review it and determine whether medications are safe and appropriate. Then Jace will send your prescriptions to one of their partner pharmacies where your order will be filled and mailed directly to your home. You can also send your physician a message for answers to treatment-related questions anytime. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medicals offers the Jace case. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical Plus and an additional $20 off by using code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. I would say that in baseball, you always want pressure. You want pressure because that means you're a good baseball team. The Royals are not playing with pressure right now. But eventually, as the timeline would indicate, there's going to come a time again where the Royals have pressure. And that's not just from winning baseball games. You know, I would say this offseason, the Royals have pressure to do something, to have an aggressive offseason. You know, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. If they do nothing and they want another evaluation, they're not going to get much support. But around baseball, you see teams with windows. And windows always bring expectation. And as I just said, expectation brings pressure. We saw the White Sox have a window that looked like it was going to be open for five years. I mean, easily five years. So much talent. I mean, one of the most feared lineups in all of baseball. A rotation that had Dylan Seas, Lucas Giolito, Michael Kopech. Oh, and they went out and spent money on Lance Lynn and, and Dallas Keuchel. They spent money on Liam Hendricks, Alex Colomay, Kendall Graveman. I mean, it felt like their window was going to be open for a long time. But when that pressure started to mount and Chicago won the AL Central, they faced the Astros and they lost, that then brings the pressure of, okay, that was a fun year. You won 90-plus games. Now we expect that. And how are you going to handle that pressure? I think a perfect team this year that you look at handling pressure maybe in not the clutchest of ways, Seattle's one of them. Seattle, I watched last night. I stayed up and watched some late-night baseball, and my good buddy Joel Penfield, the KC Sports Network, does a great job at one row away as long as well as uh, Josh Kaiser and Jordan Foote, both a fan, uh, just a fantastic podcast to follow for Royals baseball. But he's a Mariners guy. He, he loves watching Mariners baseball, and, and they were fun in August. Remember, they had that long winning streak. It's packed out there in Seattle. You know, J-Rod is as hot as anybody in baseball. And then we saw them kind of collapse in September. A tough schedule, a tough division, but they started collapsing. Now, they're not out of it. They still have a chance here. But they just took on Houston last night. 
And last night at home against Houston and a Houston team that just got swept by the Royals, not saying that the Royals are somehow better than the Mariners, but in a game like that, a series like that, you have immense pressure. You know, we were America's darling last year. We also have a tremendous drought, you know, in the postseason. They, they had snapped it last year, but you had the tremendous drought. Then you lose to Houston in the playoffs last year after coming back and beating Toronto. And this year it's, okay, that was fun. That was a good time. But now we got the pressure to do this thing again, to get back to that spot, get further than that spot. And as I'm recording this podcast right now, the Mariners are up 1-0 on the Astros. But it's about hanging on to that. I think another example is going to be Baltimore next year. Now, Baltimore last year was, wow, look at what this team's doing. They're finally competing. They weren't a playoff team, but it felt a lot like the 2013 Royals. You know, a team that was always in it, all the way up into the very tail end of the season. This year, they're going to be the best team in the American League. They're going to grab the one seed in the American League. And they're going to have that expectation going into postseason of making it further than just the divisional round. But it's pressure. And it's teams dealing with pressure. As I said at the beginning of the segment, it's all about handling that expectation, but you want the pressure. The Royals don't have any pressure right now. But you want to, in a year or two, start to have that. But it always makes me cherish the times in 2014 and 15. Because the Royals had pressure. And they pulled through. And they capitalized on a very, very small window. Now, don't get me wrong. I would love to be in Baltimore's shoes right now. I would love for the Royals to have the best record in all of baseball. But there's also that pressure that comes with teams that haven't won a World Series title in a long time. You know, if the Royals were in the postseason two or three years from now, let's just say play hypotheticals here. If they were in the postseason two or three years from now and they didn't win a World Series, Nobody would be you know, banging on their door or rioting or pitchforking everybody. That's not where we'd be at because the Royals would have won it 10 years earlier. There's some teams that are in long droughts and they're dealing with that pressure. And even the best teams, the teams we long for, that uh, we wish the Royals could be, sometimes their fan bases have grown very frustrated. They look at the Royals and go, yeah, it's ugly right now. Don't want to be the Royals. But man, wouldn't it be fun to capitalize on a window, as big or as small as it may be. That's what makes baseball great, is that you have that pressure if you're a small market team. You have that pressure for such a small time. There is going to be a time again where Seattle's not very good. There's going to be a time again where Baltimore's not very good again. There's going to be a time where Pittsburgh's really good and then not very good again. And the Royals, there's going to be a time that they will be good again and then not very good. It's the way small market ball works. But when you have that pressure, that expectation, what are you going to do with it? And, and I wanted to touch on this segment because we're heading into postseason ball. And there's going to be some teams in there that have not been in the postseason for a long, long time. I mean, Baltimore is going to be in it. Texas is going to be in it. Who knows if Seattle squeaks in? Oh, the Brewers once again having that expectation. The Cubbies have a fighting chance. Hell, the Marlins have a chance. A lot of fun baseball in these final five to six days or so. But I'm curious to see who handles this expectation, who handles this pressure. You know, because for as long as a baseball season is, how as much as you can enjoy, like 
Baltimore fans are loving this entire season, as they should. Win 90-plus games, going to win over 100 games, considering where they were. I mean, that division, you won the AL East. It's ridiculous. Won it comfortably, too. Or for the most part, comfortably. I know it's not completely clinched just yet. But where Tampa Bay started and you storm back with that, now what happens if Baltimore can't get past the ALDS? How do you view that season? Certainly a good one. And your future set up for a long time. But I always say this. Your windows never is, I'm trying to phrase this correctly. Your window is never as open as you think it is. There we go. That's what I wanted to say. Your window is never as open as you think it is. Back in 2015, I thought the Royals' window was going to be three or four, maybe five more years. I just thought they were built for success for that long. It closed two years later. You may think all those prospects are going to hit. Everybody's going to have great second, third, and fourth years. It's about capitalizing now. Baltimore's got the pressure of capitalizing now. Even Texas has the pressure because they spent all that money. The Brewers have the pressure now. The only team that doesn't have a lot of pressure is Houston. And I know they have pressure of making it to the postseason, but they've won a couple of World Series in the last few years. They they are not in a must-win scenario. Even Atlanta, as good as they've been, they're not in a must-win spot. They just won it two years ago. But we'll see. October baseball is right around the corner. Pressure is here. Who's going to handle that pressure and climb to the top and win either another World Series, win their first World Series in a long time? We'll see. We'll see. All we know is right now the Royals aren't playing with much pressure. But we all hope, at least if you're listening to this podcast, some point in the near future, that pressure is going to come back to Kansas City. Well, that's going to do it for another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. And be sure to catch all these episodes on wherever you get your podcasts. That's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube. Just be sure to hit that follow button and subscribe. But until tomorrow, you take it easy, Kansas City.